podcast is created by Laura Jackson and Jonathan Stevens of Local Jurisdiction Consulting. The episode starts now. Hey! Okay. Today is March 12th, 2020. We are recording at 10.15 p.m. Eastern Time. We are reflecting on March 11th. 2020. So Bernie Sanders not conceding. He is going to stay in the race. He's going to debate Joe Biden one-on-one, literally no spectators. I was actually glad to hear about that because it's good to see that 40% or whatever it will turn out to be of the electorate will be represented if they wanted to vote for a progressive or a revolution or whatever. But it's good polling, I think, for the Democratic Party to have everyone come out and vote for their preferences. Isn't that something that they would pay good money for in the general lining up against Trump? Yeah, I I, I think so. I think as long as a primary doesn't turn vindictive and personally destructive, I mean, that, that, that if Bernie's campaign accepts that basically what they have to do at this point is present his ideas, maybe criticize Biden's ideas, but mostly just present his ideas if Biden falls on his face, not trying to constantly, you know, I mean, we did see in 2016 and in, in 2008 where there was some ugliness late after the outcome was kind of certain. And in 2008, I don't know. I don't know that it hurt in either instance, yeah. but it certainly led to some some hurt feelings well, and some difficulty unifying. Yeah. So I think I see some tactics this time around to try to combat that, to try to be more indivisible, if you will. He kept saying, "I look forward to seeing my friend Joe Biden." This Saturday at the debate, you know, he kept saying, my friend. And I think that was very intentional, smart. And that's what I like to hear because a lot of people say, Bernie bros, blah, blah, blah. But if Bernie takes away those sound bites, that's a less compelling argument. So I, I like that he is at least adding positive sound bites up there because you know what? Joe Biden, when, if he becomes the nominee, he can use those positive sound bites that we might see from Russia, the Republicans, whomever, any interest group that mm-hmm. might oppose the Democratic nominee. They might put all sorts of quotes to all sorts of people. And it will be powerful to have good quotes coming from all of the presidential candidates, specifically people like Bernie, who are outside the party, you know, who was probably wrote in a wrote. Yeah. Written in a lot last time around, you know, if you know what I mean, written in, he's someone who could bring the party further together. And it's like, let's, let's do that. Let's have those ads like that. That's what we need for 2020. So that was, I think, the first thing that happened on March 11th. And, God, that seems like so long ago. 
I was about three political and news lifetimes ago. That was back when we still had school for kids and when we still could fantasize that uh, our government might do something to help us and, and all sorts of other oh things. Oh, my God. We've lost school for children. We've lost freaking sports. That was the question that we're getting to with coronavirus is, was sports going to be canceled? Spoiler alert. The day after, March 12th, when we're recording, it was. Sports are shut down, folks. There will be no everything, sports happening. Everything's every, everything's postponed or canceled. I, I, I do think that hmm, for the sports like the NHL and the NBA that are hitting their home stretch, like heading towards their playoffs – and the NCAA basketball playoffs, men's and women's, I think that might just be yes. done. Totally. Uh, it seems, yeah, it seems to me that for baseball and tennis and some golf tournaments and other sports like that, you might be able to have a compressed season and reschedule some of the big events for the fall that they normally have in the spring. And they'll, They'll lose stuff, but they could probably, if we've gotten a handle on this thing by September, there is a window in September, October, and November to kind of do double time and double headers and have short seasons and, and still have a World Series and still run the Masters and the PGA and the U.S. Open in the fall. But but it may be that we don't have any of those events yeah. this year. We, we may have not, there may be no Olympics, no Olympics. U.S. U.S. Tennis Open, yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. They cancel. They're canceling car races now. The drivers wouldn't be at much risk, but there's huge crowds of people close to each other. Oh my goodness, and it's a lot of touching of equipment. Um, did you see, Jonathan? Did you see in one of our group text messages that the virus can live on surfaces for three days? The headline is as follows. Preliminary research suggests new virus may live on some surfaces for up to three days, which was posted March 11th, 2020 at 4.05 p.m. Eastern Time by Marilyn Marshoni, who is an AP chief medical director. That was posted to PBS News. Do you have any comment? And this is yeah, I've seen that. Sorry, right? Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen different reports. I mean, initially they were worried it could be as much as nine days. So I actually viewed it as as an improvement. It depends on the surface. Unfortunately, sanitize that stuff. If you yes, yes, the disinfectants that we know work, which is high percentage alcohol. So it's high quality hand sanitizer or rubbing alcohol, preferably 70% or more, but at least 60%. Oh my God, discussed just that at the polling location on Super Tuesday. They literally were proud that our polling location had hand sanitizer that was not expired and was above the percentage. It was the hand sanitizer we had was actually at 63%. So... Yeah. Wasn't 99. That's a, that's enough. It, like, huh. But, you know, it was fine. Well, the the you don't actually want from my experience when I worked in a lab, 70% if it's just mixed with water anyway is about the magic number because what happens when the percentage of alcohol is too high is it actually evaporates too quickly. If anybody's ever spilled a little pure rubbing alcohol on their hand, you notice it feels very cold. 
and your hand gets dry quickly. That's because it evaporates very fast. I used to be a chemist. So, okay. So then you, I might when you make the brand, just in case people want it, we had Germex at the polls on Super Tuesday. So if y'all want that, 63%, yeah. ours was fresh. People can, people can also make it at home. If you, you either buy 70% rubbing alcohol or buy 100% rubbing alcohol and then mix it, you know, two thirds rubbing alcohol or slightly more, if you can measure that accurately and one third water, and that'll stretch it a little bit, but it'll, like I said, 70% works the very best because it, it doesn't evaporate as quickly. One of those reasons the hand sanitizers can be a little bit lower is because the gel stuff that's in them makes it sit on your hands longer. So the less alcohol it adds, the longer it stays on, killing wow. viruses. But it's, so there's a so sweet spot. Maybe, there's a sweet spot around six. your kids? Like, they're not going to get it all on their hands immediately and clean every surface. So it's like, yeah, that'd be probably good if you're trying to smother their hands and rub down a bit. Yeah, that's that's why you want to get it everywhere, and you're supposed to keep smoothing it around until it dries. Um, but so surfaces can be disinfected. In general, you're relatively unlikely. That's it's called surfaces and objects that are, that have that can carry infectious agents are called fomites, and you're relatively unlikely to get this disease from fomite infection. You can but it would sort of require you touching something that has a pretty high viral load and then touching your eye or your nose or something like that. So if you clean surfaces and you wash and sanitize your hands, your odds of, of it just jumping off the counter and getting you are pretty low. Your big risk with this is being around people who are breathing and sneezing and coughing little droplets and being within inside of a couple meters of them. So rule of thumb is six feet. So if like, if they can reach out their arm and you can reach out their arm and you guys could touch hands, unless you're super duper tall, you're standing a little too close. That, that is, that's how you're going to catch it by getting those droplets of that they're breathing and, and, and sneezing and I coughing mean, out. I'm no medical expert, but think of rooms in your house as dice. I mean, I'm literally considering my social gathering on Saturday. And right now, there's a small enough people that I think we can keep our six feet away and literally sit in separate areas and not get all touchy-feely. Whereas normally for a birthday party or a celebration, you probably would. But times have changed. So I'm kind of thinking about it as a dice. Like right now, if I'm at five star, five, you know, if you're getting too dense, consider that. I'm no medical expert. So do we want to talk about Trump's speech last yes. night? It's hard to believe that was just for last real, night. It feels like it was about three oh, or four actually, days ago. We... So about 24 hours ago, Trump attempted to calm the nation with a speech. I thought it was um, and. <laughs> It was terrifying. Uh, friends of mine texted me while it was happening. It was terrifying. You could watch down. the Japanese stock market and U.S. stock futures literally ticked down a tenth of a point, which may not sound like much, but it represents probably two or three billion dollars vanishing. Ticked down a tick of a, a, t a tick of a point, tenth of a point every 
virtually with every line out of his mouth. A friend of mine said it was one of his better speeches as president. I tend to agree because it was mostly intelligible, but the first third of it was him giving himself North Korean style praise. He lobbed a few xenophobic insults around, and then he really gave no real prescription for fighting the virus other than... I'm so sorry. And this is what we're going to link to later, which is the stock market, which I hope you guys are kind of seeing these themes that we like to talk about the coronavirus, U.S. politics, and the stock market. But that man freaking declared embargo on Europe. That was subtle, but that was... Yeah, it turns out it was that was a semi-accident. Oh he meant That's to de- freaking declare. Idiot. Yeah, he meant to declare a travel ban. I just read an article in the Washington Post that says that apparently, I think it was in the Washington Post. Let, let me check. I was literally just looking at it, but that he he apparently ad-libbed uh, some of that speech, and that's when he messed up. Yeah, it was in the Washington God. Post. He ad-libbed some of the speech. And he accidentally said that cargo was going to be banned along with people. And and that in and of itself, yeah, in and of itself, that caused a huge market panic. Um, Right. And I actually had to check with a friend of mine who works, who's a high-level government official. And I said, was that a mistake or is is that the policy? And my friend wasn't sure but thought that it was probably a mistake. Well, American people... And it turns out it was. Freaking, pardon my... Pardon my... The whole freaked out. I was not sure when I first heard it. I re-listened to it today. Obviously heard the words. We're going to ban without, you know, with certain exemptions, European trade and cargo along with travel. And I'm taking the president yeah. on his word. Well, serves you right for believing anything this guy says. But he um, he proposed some kind of stimulus that, that I think what he was referring to is what the Federal Reserve actually did today. And they did it bigger than he said. But he made some vague comment about $200 billion of liquidity. The Federal Reserve and the New York Reserve Bank actually put uh, the New York Fed, excuse me, which is part of the Federal Reserve, put $1.5 trillion of cash into the financial system, which just means basically what we would have called quantitative easing. They they bought government bonds with money that they created. They printed money. But this will help keep their... For the coronavirus. I just want to get those links in there. Right, right. It's to deal with the economic panic, but normally economic panics tend to be caused by by banks failing or some kind of financial crisis. And so injecting a bunch of money into the system can, can really help by making it possible for companies and banks to borrow money on the short term again oh, and things like that. Said, hold on. Wait a freaking moment. He said that our banks were fully capitalized and liquidated. Was that it? He probably meant to say liquid. I'll cut you off. I'll let you go, but I have a question for you. Yeah, I, all which is to say, 
that when the problem is with the banks and not and that's like where the problem started, the kind of thing the Fed did can help. But all what the Fed did is really going to do is is prevent financial markets from freezing up. It's it's not going to make them stop going down. In the same sense that this, you know, they want to give basically give tax breaks to people who aren't working. So you get no payroll tax on the paycheck you're not getting, which obviously does people literally no good at all. And even and then they're going to give small businesses yeah. loans. If you're yeah. failed, right? If you're yeah, yeah. on the customers, getting a loan doesn't help. Economic loans specifically, which maybe that's just redundant. Maybe that's what you said. But they also, Trump, maybe this is where Trump was also ad-libbing, he said, after he was going to do that for the small businesses, that he's going to provide an additional $50 billion. Yeah, that the small business loans. Okay, it's loans okay. to small businesses. But it doesn't, once again, the issue is not that businesses borrowed too much or interest rates got too high. It's none of those things. The issue is that people can't participate in commerce other than food and medicine. When all you can't run hotels when people can't travel, you can't have conferences when people can't have events. People can't go. The pro you're not you can push all these loans and money to the system. It's not going to fix the economy because that's not the problem. The problem is people yeah. can't go out and do commerce now. I think, and a lot of people agree with me, the only thing that might help be to literally just instead printing this money, instead of using it to lower interest rates with bonds and increase the money supply, literally, they should just give every American over 18, you'd, you'd have to use like people's social security numbers or something, not every taxpayer, every American, just give them like a $2,000 check. Now, for wealthy people, this wouldn't mean much, but for folks living on the edge, what it would mean is they could pay their rent for, for a couple months and get 20, food for a couple months, like even me, if they don't have a job. I think that would go a long way. It, it goes, yeah, and it's not, it's not, once again, it's not, it, this is not Keynesian stimulus. This is not the government creating demand. It isn't going to pump the economy up, but what it's going to do is let people survive. Just Italy's doing this. They've canceled mortgage payments. What they're trying to do is just freeze the economy in place so that when the virus is done, people can pick up their lives and recover quickly. But but Trump wants some mixture of magically fixing the stock market, which isn't going to happen, and and also to, to enact a bunch of Republican fantasies they've had for years about cutting taxes. And... Nobody, everybody who was investing money or planning things instantly realized that this was a complete and total joke. Um, and so we had the single worst day in global financial markets since wow. 1987. And the How second and the third or fourth worst day of all time. How old were you in 1987? What's that? Wow. I was 11. And I remember that well. It, it was it was a Monday. It's called Black Monday. And it, because I, I remember Monday night football was on that night and people were holding up signs, you know, that they'd written on with just right then with magic markers to get the attention of the camera, making people jokes about the stock market crash. Commentating uh, and protesting possibly at NFL. Yeah. Well, it hadn't become a protest yet. It was more of like a, 
an ironic statement at that point because it had literally just happened. Yeah, it was like gallows humor. And I remember watching Peter Jennings on the news and what he said about it. But that was that was a, just a short-term financial panic. Um, things actually bounced back pretty quickly, and it was um, it was another three and a half years before we had a recession. That if it happens nowadays, that stadium gonna be empty, and the janitor put up the sign the night before. That is correct, and and this is, you know, this is much more in line with. There really is no terribly clear precedent for what's happening in our in the economy right now, but it's some mixture of 1918, 1929, and 2008. It's a huge financial panic combined with a a pandemic and geopolitical strife some in the form of open warfare and some in the form of this trade warfare like between saudi arabia and russia um and folks all put together this real bad stuff this is uh i tell my daughter who's 11 uh that this may be one of the most significant historical times in what I hope is her very long life. And I think that's true for most of us. This is the sort of set of circumstances we're likely to encounter in our lives only a handful of times, yep. something this serious. I and mean, this is like a major war or some other totally huge historical heard. event. I don't think any of us know what it's like to be in a war zone with our families day <laughs> after day. But now I think we are starting to experience the threat on our lives just by doing daily activities, which is very similar to what certain people face across the across the globe. Yeah, privileged, privileged Americans. And the truth is all but the very poorest of us compared to most people in the world are privileged, even people who are kind of struggling here. And I'm not making light of it, but. Even people in America who are struggling to meet ends meet generally have an expectation of a level of function in society and access to food and things like that, that that would be envied in the third world. But relatively privileged Americans or are, 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 are a lot of us are going to get to see what it was like. A friend of mine joked a lot of privileged people are going to find out what it was like in the lower ninth ward of New Orleans well, in 2005. So that's a I Hurricane Katrina. I'm so sorry for cutting you off. I, I've also heard that we're going to learn what Medicare for all is like. Well, that's a good point. One of the reasons a lot of European countries have those sort of systems is because of the 1918 that's flu pandemic. I feel like that is, exactly why, that is exactly when the major push for universal health care began uh, in a lot of Western Europe. Hold on, Jonathan, and let me just clarify this we are still on the march 11th news cycle correct uh well i think okay, we're kind of blending here on the march 11th we're talking about the aftermath of trump's speech we talked about what the quote jonathan stevens article in bluevirginia.us which is the importance of protecting elections during a pandemic he said, we must protect our elections by tending to citizen safety and minimizing fear that could lead to lower participation. And in the darkest outcomes, 
tempt those who have followed Donald Trump in rejecting democratic norms to attempt to postpone or cancel elections they fear will not go their way. The risk remains the risk remains low in most places in the United States at the moment, but tomorrow's elections are the perfect time to practice basic measures we use. We can all take to stay safe. Wash your hands whenever possible and bring sanitizer to use before and after voting. Consider nitrile gloves. If you want to shake hands for use while touching pens and equipment and practice social distancing where you do not shake hands and remain six feet from the nearest person wherever possible. I did want to highlight what Trump said in his speech yesterday at 9 p.m. And this might be kind of the parts that some of your peers were kind of glad to see. He did say that this virus will affect older people more so, the elderly population more so, and that they should be more careful. Now, he did say for the rest of Americans, the risk was low and that COVID-19 can't stand a chance. I don't know what that means. But to reference the article, Trump did say, wash your hands, clean, frequently used surfaces, sneeze in your elbow, stay home, and practice social distancing. I'm just saying that I'm glad that the information is getting out there. I don't know, obviously, who's getting it out there, but those are some messages we've been saying, so we're going to at least acknowledge the good parts of what Trump said because he did highlight some things we have been trying to say. So, Yeah, that was about that was a good bit of the speech, and it was about the only bit that was rational. Uh, we should point out that that article of mine was written and published on March 2nd, I would still characterize the risk to most people as relatively low, but given that the state uh, health department in Ohio estimates that as much as 1% of that state, that's almost 120,000 people, folks, uh, may now be incubating the virus, which means that within the next two weeks, there are going to be 20,000 people, 25,000 people significantly ill and probably several thousand in intensive care that is you know one in a hundred is not really super duper low you no. probably encounter if you if you don't live in, in in the exurbs or rural areas if you live in any kind of a town or city or suburb you most likely come pretty close to at least 100 people yeah. every day so um so i you know the, the risks are rapidly rising and and folks need to need to attend to that, but there's just all sorts of interesting, like the, the things about his address, the thing that the Federal Reserve did today. Wait, wait, just actually pause there because I'd like to actually do a clean break just for ourselves. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks, guys. This is Laura Jackson and Jonathan Stevens. Global Jurisdiction Consulting. You can check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Bye. Bye.